Welcome to Feel Feelings with Danny and George, the show that talks about feelings and the things that make you feel them. Hey, George. Hey, Dan. I just, before we get started, I feel like it's important that everyone knows that I am using a hands-free device. I am driving very defensively. Uh, but I am recording this while going home from work because we ran out of time to do the address this week. That's right. I, I'm uh, definitely a little nervous. Don't be. It's fine. I know I shouldn't be, but I can't help it. I know. Uh, you know why I'm not nervous is because every cop in Elizabeth, New Jersey, uh, is in the IKEA parking lot right now because sometimes people try to drag race at that parking lot. You have such a sick job, dude. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of cops are just blasting music out of their cruisers, like making like a little traffic stop. And so any car that comes by with like an engine that's just a little too loud, they pull over. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Cops are great. I mean, I'm, I'm not out of here singing their praises, but I don't hate that story. <laughs> <laughs> they seem like they're having a great time. Uh, and I was worried for a second there, too, because my registration is definitely like a year too old uh but we'll get that fixed but uh yeah so this is it's a it's a beautiful night i am uh i am driving past the newark airport so beautiful i actually kind of love that that drive yeah it's uh it's got a beautiful haze over top of it that we don't know if it's pollution or not but it creates a sort of newark borealis (laughs) it's really quite uh unsanitary and satisfying i like to pretend i'm racing the airplanes when i'm driving past on 95 Sometimes there's been a couple of times where I've left work and they have flown over me by like no more than 20 feet. And it is yeah. a little action movie. <laughs> I feel like I should put my hand up and do like a free willy. You got it. Yeah. You're doing it, airplane. <laughs> You're free. <laughs> Good time. I have to watch Free Willy again. After the Marvel movies, I'll watch all the Free Willy movies. <laughs> a nice palate cleanser some, somehow. Yeah, you know? How many of there are there? Like nine, ten? Is it at least one? <laughs> is I, 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 there's got to be three. Maybe like that was a joke at some point where people were like, oh, yeah, there's three. Like, oh, it, this, it, like how they made fun of Speed on Family Guy, where it was like Speed 3 and it's uh, Keanu Reeves yelling, like, if you don't get off this glacier, if it doesn't move at three inches every year, you're going to die. I'm fairly certain. Simpsons has both versions of the joke where they're like, this is like speed two, but on a bus. And also this is like speed, but on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) I liked that. I feel like that joke is very similar to when people talk about sports and then like, I'll throw a piece of paper in a trash can. I'll be like, fuck, I'm like the white Larry bird. I think (laughs) it throws people off for a minute. One of, one of my favorite, I mean, clearly a joke only for me based on the reaction, but I was <laughs> driving around LA and I saw a train going overhead and I was like, Oh my God, it's the train. Just like in that movie collateral. <laughs> yeah. That is a joke for maybe four people. <laughs> like, Cause in my mind, you don't even have to have seen it. It's just funny that like you're in the 
kingdom of movie sightseeing and you're like i saw a train <laughs> oh that's great but, but let's let's not talk about movies anymore because honestly i am getting nervous i'm looking around all right let's let's roll it into the episode because it's a great yeah. one it really is i it's- we got to talk about wrestling a whole bunch and that is perfect for me i forgot how big of a wrestling fan you were for the soda. uh not for this episode like in real life but like it's just something that like I was into when I was eight or nine during like the attitude era. Yeah. That was, that was it for me basically. Yeah. Yeah. Where like I'm trying to think of people that were involved. Like I, I still have enough of an emotional attachment to it that I watched like the big show show and I watched young rock and like, I can't help myself, but <laughs> I, I don't watch a lot of the wrestling aside from like the occasional pay-per-view anymore. That's fair. But AEW uh, is pretty fun. We do talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like, that's the thing is that, like, when I was into wrestling, I didn't think about, um, like, like, I didn't realize that there were two different conglomerates of wrestling. Oh, yeah. So, like, I was just waiting for, like, a Goldberg versus Stone Cold Steve Austin match because I was like, those are the same guy, right? It only took, like, 20 years, and both of them have broken backs, and I think they did finally face each other because – wwe owns everything but yeah which is also like not great yeah. uh also for our listeners uh we had hannah harkness and oh, also yeah. we had hannah while i was while i was driving i definitely made a wrong turn so i'm going to caucus baby all right <laughs> i get to go to the to the junction where it <laughs> smells like piss and That's you get right. to go to new york or hoboken no other option <laughs> not much of a choice you can't just drive <laughs> off the road <laughs> Nope. <laughs> uh, but yes, we had Hannah on the show. Uh, she's working on something very, very cool. Can you tell that I'm not a good, like, texter and driver? You know, that's for the best. You shouldn't be practiced at it. I definitely. I mean, I'm not as good as Casey. who can fucking, like, file her nails, eat a bagel, and text while she's driving. I mean, we talked about it on the show before. I get nervous taking a drink. And, like, they have cup holders in cars. And they're not, it's not supposed it's- to be out of the, out of the ordinary. Unless you got one of those cars that has like the glove compartment cup holder. You ever see those? I see them a lot in trucks. Oh, where, where you like, have to like pull it out? No, no. You flip down the, uh, the glove compartment in your like passenger side. And there is maybe a coaster's depth cup holder. Oh, sure. Yeah. Good luck. And it is clearly designed for like, oh, we're having lunch. This is like my little lunch table thing. Let's pull over and have it. It's, it was designed for when people had time to do <laughs> such activities. But anyway, enough about cup holders. Let's talk about Hannah Harkness. Yeah, you can find Hannah Harkness on Instagram and on Twitter. Same handle. It's Hark underscore it's Hannah. And you can, you can also check out brooklynbattlecomedy.com. And yeah, she um, she wanted us to point out that uh, she has an Indiegogo coming either at the end of this week or the beginning of next week. So keep your eyes tuned to the uh, handles we just mentioned to see when that gets announced and you can go support. Yes, keep your eyes tuned like radio dials. What That's is right. beat poetry? Lock them in. <laughs> <laughs> make your eyes presets same bat time same bat that eyes <laughs> <laughs> all right get home safe it's time for hannah harkness and sh- no, i shouldn't say that's right it's time for hannah harkness
uh, pod on. Uh, if this is the last time you hear from me, I'm so sorry. Hannah, how are you? Lovely. Uh, I'm continuing my tour of uh, I work remote and I'm single now. So I've just I've been in New York maybe like five days in the last four months. Now oh, maybe wow. like more like two three weeks or something. But I just I just bugged hilariously hard. I'm about to go back into like I think this is the last trip for a while. I'm out. In, I'm actually out in Philly right now for two weeks. I'm at my parents' house in Abington. Um, oh, nice. But- then I'm going to go back home and go to wrestling school. Wrestling so. school. Awesome. That sounds made up, but I know who you are. So I'm very excited for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. is so cool. Uh, it's a very real place that I am getting to uh, have a slightly discounted rate at because I'm helping the owner write a screenplay. There you uh, go. Cool. Wow. <laughs> we live such crazy lives. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of probably the most uh philly suburbs wallpaper that's behind you we're not using uh oh my god yeah no we uh yeah no this this is definitely philly suburbs wallpaper like this is the one room that they haven't uh redone or filled with speakers my parents uh met in music school in the 70s so it's like every time my childhood bedroom is full of instruments now and my mom teaches remote music lessons out of it my brother's room is <laughs> literally full of speakers and drum cases now <laughs> oh, that's awesome though like i yeah. i'd feel the kind of disappointment going home and not having it be my room anymore but if it was only replaced with cool shit i'd be like all right fine yeah, yeah i mean it's all right like i can't sleep in there but um cool like i can at. just sleep in their room but. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the thing though is that like growing up playing music my dad was a musician, but I would only see him like every other weekend. So I was never like exposed to it from that front a lot. Um, so yeah. like my mom and my stepdad are both very like, you know, professional business people, a lot of pantsuits. You know, she was an insurance agent and he was an insurance adjuster. Like they just like boring beige people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that like when I hear people that have parents that are like, yeah, no, my rooms are filled with like vintage speakers and drum cases. I'm like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That is funny. The last, I, I went to a show with uh with my folks and my dad is jazz. Yeah, my dad mostly plays uh jazz. They both like play new age music together. Dad is uh, more of a jazz musician. Um, so I went to one of my dad's friend's shows last year when I just hyper quarantined for two weeks so I could see my parents. One of his friends walked up to us kind of drunk and he's just like, "Man, I don't want to offend you guys." And we're just like, "What? No, whatever." Hit us. He's like. Man, I fucking love it when weird people have kids. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you guys have weird little kids. <laughs> it's the greatest compliment I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if if a more acceptable sentence has ever followed. I don't want to offend you guys. Yeah, I, don't know yeah. Offend, but I love it when weird people have <laughs> like kids. <laughs> That's what I hope yeah. someday I get through. Cause like me and my girlfriend are musicians and we'll probably be um, like playing shows and stuff. Well, well into the our best age. Thing to do. Now, when you get, when you're a little kid from the perspective of a five-year-old that went to, you know, they couldn't get a sitter or whatever that went to a lot of gigs. It's the coolest thing in the world because like everybody else there does not necessarily know that's your dad. Um, so you get to be a five-year-old and it's the coolest you can run around. That's my 
(laughs) It's fun. You know, it's like not a boring thing. Now the boring thing, if I had to suggest something as a a child of a musician, if you can find some way for the kid to not have to be around while they're packing up and talking to each other and shit. (laughs) I spend so much time like in a pile of power boards, like, are we leaving? (laughs) Five-year-olds and me. (laughs) Get me out of there. (laughs) As a a musician that used to play a lot of shows in my younger years, like Mm -hmm. I could imagine having a kid, that's the thing, you're a bad parent if you take your kid to like a VFW punk show. Uh, just because mm. there's there's danger. I've seen it. But- there's danger there. <laughs> yeah. It's too loud. It's too loud. The kid gets too loud. But, but because Man. we backline stuff for all the gigs, or at least most of the gigs, we got really good at unpacking and like taking down our set and stuff. So we got it down to about a five minute system of just like everything in the bags. Like we had road cases right. where you just clip the front and then wheel them off stage. Like we were so nice. fast. So like wow. that's because my dad's a percussionist. Um that was the only problem yeah the drummer's always gotta like take down everything he has a friend leon that has this gimmick where in the last song he manages to disassemble the entire drum set while he's playing it and it's so impressive like by the end it's awesome it's it's basically a bit but it takes so much effort i mean you can get and i think it's easier to get away with with jazz because jazz music format is like they sit up in the front, like the first thing is like a hook and then they kind of round rob and go and everybody gets a solo. Mm-hmm. Um, so while the drum solo is not happening, I think it's easier for him to take apart the kit because he's mostly just on, like his jazz drumming is supposed to ride under the rest of the music unless he's having a solo. Um, so like it's easy. I think it's easier for him to do that gimmick. Um, but we'll see. And of course, I'm this is I'm so in wrestling that I'm calling shit gimmicks now. Gimmicks, like, you know. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's still a game. Leon sure. sounds like a real heel. You know that? Oh, I don't know. That's that's a face turn to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny as shit with wrestling is they actually use a gimmick like we use John in Philadelphia. Like it replaces all proper nouns. And oh, so like just, anything you do? Literally, you know, it's the exact same linguistic function as John, except it extends. Uh, it's not specific to Philadelphia. It's specific to pro wrestling, which is <laughs> somehow much more culturally irrelevant than our city. <laughs> like, we've been in the news for a bunch of st- shit lately, um, like, especially political shit. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, listen, I think your stuff should be in the news more because I was watching a clip from, I guess, an outdoor show that you were doing a couple of days ago. And I watched a man oh, light a piece of wood on fire and then wait for it just to die down enough to throw another man on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that, that would be Sean Phoenix. I stayed at his place. Uh, <laughs> I stayed, yeah, him and uh, Ziggy, who is the new uh, Rise Wrestling Champion. She's the first person in uh, Pittsburgh to be a woman to hold the top title nice. in the city. It's pretty right. freaking cool. But yeah, I, stay, I stayed at their place uh, during that event. Um, is that, is and, that something uh, that they do I, just casually or is that just for the show? <laughs> Um, for the, you mean the, the, the fire bump? Yeah. The fire bump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was, uh, yeah, no, if somebody, yeah. Like if you, th- if you it's like when somebody, uh, does a fall, like that's called taking a bump, um, or, and like it's, or, or spot, like that whole thing was also called like a, a fire spot, but I mean, yeah, it depends. Um, I mean, the main thing Joey Janela is famous for is that he jumped off a roof into a flaming pile of like, uh, like light bulbs and shit and got like almost severed his entire thumb off. Um, <gasps> cool spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, you know, that, that was a really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. It was in the middle of like a multi-person match too. So you had to be like paying attention to what was going on over there to see it. And oh, I, that's I was wild. Yeah. I was waiting for it because we were in the car and he jokingly was like, yo, can you put me over on Twitter? Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I took that video and posted it to the Wrestlesplania account. He got like 6,000 views. Um, pretty happy about it oh yeah no because i wow. was watching it just like i forget where i was because i've been recuperating from my second vaccine for the past couple of days so i'm mm -hmm. just like i thought i'd be so much sicker than what i am but mm -hmm. my brain had already shut down be like yeah no i'm not doing anything until thursday so i've just been mm -hmm. like mindlessly on my phone for four days like i have a headache and i'm like this is it i'm sick now and it's like no because you haven't fucking moved in four days uh, yeah, but I watched that I I and was, was... So gross pre-vax that I, nothing happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I watched that and was just like, what? Hannah Harkness's life is so interesting. <laughs> it's true. People have been like just interviewing me about this weird like side quest I went on because I haven't done stand up since the pandemic. Um, like I just went on a weird side quest where I'm just like screenwriting and going to these like insane shows now. Um, and then I kind of came full circle because like I have a comedy project again, even though it's not stand up. So I'm like, okay, well, I got to promote that. And I got to promote the other thing that's both a wrestling com like project and a comedy project. So most of the podcasts I can get booked on are uh, like yours truly. I know the people from stand up and they're just interviewing me, especially the New York people. Like I just re like re return or re returned. No, that means coming, whatever. I returned. You left and you came back and you came back <laughs> <from> again. <Narnia. laughs> and, I was like, that doesn't mean the coffee's kicking in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll that'll happen in a couple minutes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I, I, it's incredibly cool. Um, why don't we spin this novelty wheel, this giant wheel? All right, let's roll it in. Wheel of morality. Turn, turn, turn. Yeah, we got chagrin. Chagrin's nice. Welcome to What Does It Mean? This week's emotion is chagrin. Distress or embarrassment at having failed or been humiliated. How is... Dan, what... How is this guy doing this still? I wish I knew. I'm, I'm in the editing process of this one, and... I don't know where it's coming from. It's not letting me take it out. But this is, I'm a, first of all, it's very disrespectful. And sec, you know, just let's go back to the episode. We'll talk about this off mic. So Hannah, you got chagrin. Much to my chagrin. No, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, yeah, no, I don't like, I, you know, I had to context clues that because I've never investigated chagrin as. Yeah, I've heard it in books and stuff like much to his chagrin. Well, it's, I say that I say much to my chagrin all the time that completely like goes in my thing. But I guess I just never thought about it. But if I'm context closing it, then, yeah, it must be like embarrassed or like, boy, is my face red kind of a thing. Mm. Um I mean, definitely getting uh, turned down by a romantic prospect or, uh, in my case, maybe overwhelming a new person. <laughs> by <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> that's certainly uh, uh much of my chagrin uh yeah. it would appear first first date you're like oh my god i stayed at this dude's house you want to see him jump into fire <laughs> yeah. where are you going <laughs> Oh, that's too much for you, coward. <laughs> I, had a dude, uh, I had a dude match me on Tinder because I sent him a clip of uh, me not even wrestling another person, just jumping up into the corner and then jumping off the second rope and doing a dive roll. And I was like, yeah, no, this is a clip of me doing that. And he was like, wow, you're kind of intense. And then he like went dark. And I... <laughs> Guys are assholes. Oh, like, well, wow. Um, that was more of a dodged bullet than chagrin, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would guess anybody who's not into your main hobbies is probably not the right person. Mm. That's a safe bet. Yeah, something like that. What What else would be chagrin? Yeah, because it's just like kind of embarrassment but you're also just kind of like mm, like because it's not like a, like oh my god i'm so like i'm so like i guess i'm trying to discern the like difference between it's, chagrin and borderline variety and i feel like chagrin is like the same feeling but with like a fedora does that make any sense <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you have to live in it for a little bit yeah, yeah no you gotta sit and it's also because the the energetic uh like content of much to my chagrin as a phase like people that write that it's like spy book like i don't know like it's just like somebody so there that's what i'm thinking is that that's like a film noir narration thing is just like much to my chagrin mm. annie was not home and unable to divulge the information i checked the address and like that, that kind of that's why i'm like why is this like black and white in a fedora in my mind as an emotion Dude, that, I, I mean, that's it, not usual it really is it, it's like the embarrassment wears any clothes chagrin is the fancy version yeah yeah chagrin's the fancy version. i guess chagrin is embarrassment when you don't cry <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why i say it so much i've like only been like I, i've only been throwing money therapy wise at the problem of me not crying like recently um, i just want to i just want to so write that. that down as a poll quote hold on yeah. yeah, chagrin is embarrassment, but you don't cry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like the it's like the pit in your stomach embarrassment. Yeah, kind of like a god damn it. Mm -hmm. uh... You have to sit in it, but it's not like mortification where it's like this is gonna be a full week ruiner. It's like okay, I can get through this for oh, a couple yeah. hours. I think that's where chagrin is, like where it lies mm -hmm. on the timeline of embarrassment. I feel like I've said much to my chagrin when somebody like stole something from me. Like if I left something out and like much to my chagrin. Which, uh, oh, like when it's your mistake? Yeah, it's usually oh, like yeah. my mistake. Like I left something out uh, and like a person stole it from me or just like much, it's just like much to my chagrin. Mm -hmm. I left all of my weed out on my parents' table or something like that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you check the speaker room? They probably just went and smoked it in there. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh man well yeah that that definitely would make sense especially just because like in search of a relationship and in search of like uh, a, a compatible person to spend your time with to get i mean it's not even to get close but there is a there is a part of it where it's just like the rejection in and of itself is gut-wrenching you know especially like Oof, shooting yeah. your shot mm -hmm. and like if you're in a subculture like an art subculture or a performer subculture you shoot your shot and it's like, i remember that i never dated anybody in philly comedy i slept with one comic in lancaster 
Um, but I got turned down by a couple people and I then had to see them. And after a while I was like, why would I keep doing this to myself? Like, what if we were dating? Like, you, know, yeah. you know, I'm sure this, everybody does. Apparently everybody did that except me. So I'm not negging anyone, but <laughs> yeah, I no, was also, I get the whole thing of having to see them. And then the whole weird, because after I've exited stand-up, I realized a bunch of shit that's actually really insane and I never should have gotten used to. I got used to, which is like including breakups and relationships, things like we all just get up and say them on stage when we're not even sure if they're funny yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Seen a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it's like it's one of the things that I like I, I I specifically like decide when I was starting dating Casey. I was like, this is good because we're both performers, but we're not performing in the same world as each other. So it's mm -hmm. like there is a novelty for me being a stand-up where it's like she's excited to go to shows for the first couple of months. Like a first couple mm -hmm. dates that we went on were like to shows that yeah. I put on and stuff. And it was like, wow, so cool. Look at this guy doing things. It would really like to any other comedian, they were like, well, you want a fucking cookie? This is the life. This is what we yeah. have to do. <laughs> oh, you're doing a show? Great. Cool. Can I be on it? Give me five. Yeah, how am I not on your show? <laughs> oh, yeah. <Bye>. <laughs> I was just, I was just dating, like I had a fairly recent breakup in January, but like I was dating a storyteller for a long time that was in that situation where he's a storyteller, but like occasionally got booked on stand-up gigs, but not really doing stand-up. And he was getting shitty with me because I was getting booked on stand-up gigs by people that he's known for a super long time. He's like, why am I not booked? And I'm just like, well, technically, like the technically you're not a stand-up argument, but with your boyfriend with a storyteller is horrible. Ooh, yeah. I never want to do that again because that was already an awkward place to be in to begin with because you have to be like well you're really good but audiences aren't always going to listen to yeah. a 10 minute consecutive story um and he should have known that yeah right <laughs> yeah as, as someone who's done it he should be aware yeah <laughs> like this, no, this always right. with stand-ups on he had the longest running storytelling yeah you know it's <laughs> it's uh yeah no I think that's the trick is that when you're dating someone that is a creative they need to be mm -hmm. like separated by like three steps storyteller is just little too close to too stand close. up you know it's too close yeah it's like i would argue like stand-ups can't date anyone between like storyteller to sketch sorry dan mm -hmm. uh as someone dating a stand-up it's great for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing is that i'm not i'm definitely not going to shit on philly stand-ups for that because everybody seems to have done it except me um <laughs> but like i think that after this storyteller sitch i might be tapped out i if i end up dating a wrestler that might be the same problem but not really because they're never home um, so. <laughs> also <laughs> my, my wrestling knowledge is limited but the one thing that i didn't know because right at quarantine they released dark side of the ring and the first episode they came out with was the chris benoit one and i was like don't date a wrestler it ends badly <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe not the the example you want to pull from yeah. for family dynamic as a wrestler That's, you know but it's the only yeah, thing for sure. i mean they just yeah i mean they're just fucking everywhere i mean i know wrestlers that have families and they're good with them and everything but you know there's all it, there's some things like constantly being on there there's what's interesting is wrestling is a performance subculture is one of the only ones that's not in any way attached to new york or los angeles which is crazy actually it's more attached to the south and the midwest yeah. 
is either place so they don't they're they're like the one entertainers that get tv set of entertainers that get tv time that are in no way like it's actually makes more sense to live close to an airport hub like atlanta Mm -hmm. i know a lot of wrestlers that live in atlanta um but it's like the one like you lucky bastards Mm -hmm. like you don't have to fucking kiss if it like somebody rolls into a wrestling show that says they're from new york it means almost nothing yeah i would argue that they they would know less yeah like the, yeah the wrestler because like growing up every once in a while i would see like a wrestling flyer at like the grocery store or something for like a local mm-hmm. wrestling thing it's not a part of where i grew up in like you know new york new jersey and philadelphia and connecticut it's just not a northeast thing as it is when like i went to austin for a bachelor party and there's billboards up for amateur wrestling like it is oh, yeah. like i mean I know that wrestling's huge in Texas. I knew wrestling was huge in Texas purely because of the Mountain Goats record uh, that they like, talk about. <laughs> yeah, Philly's a wrestling town. It's just that most of the major promotions that it was famous for, like ECW, CZW, mm-hmm. and a couple of Chikara now are all shut down mm. because they're either run by scumbags or they're ECW and they had that that whole thing. Yeah. Um, there was yeah. ECW got too big for itself. Where they were they were purchased by the the evil guy. Yeah, um, oh the evil man, yeah. the evil man from Connecticut, my, my yeah. the one building that yeah. I have to drive yep. past. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that mm-hmm. that giant flag that waves over ninety five as you drive north. Yeah. I'm so glad God. I didn't live on that side so, of Connecticut. So weird. Although the pandemic money in the bank uh, match where they just fought their way through the levels of the WWE offices in Connecticut was. <laughs> that that was so weird especially because then otis won and he's basically like the chris farley of wwe like he's mostly just fat comedy guy and his main storyline is that he managed to successfully woo mandy rose and they were a cute couple um that's like, awesome and like super barbie model like it was just the cutest yeah that, no it was really it was really cute but that money in the bank thing was so because they just fight through all the levels and then there was like one incredibly tense moment where one of them broke a mirror in the gym and then just stared at the broken mirror for like 10 full seconds <laughs> and then kept fighting and then they never addressed that that happened um that's great truly a work of art like people say <laughs> as a copiers like loved it that is awesome much to their chagrin, yeah. I, I completely took the podcast off track. No, no, no. WWE. I love this because I haven't. No, I am all in for WWE. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't yeah. thought about WWE since I was a little kid. Like, I think the last big star. You don't. Have to. No, I, I'm like, it's something that, like, as soon as, like, you know, what it is. As soon as I started doing stand up in Philly, I realized that that is a huge cultural marker for a lot of stand ups in Philly. Like, a lot of stand ups love professional a lot of wrestling. Stand ups in general. Like a lot of stand-ups in general are big wrestling people. And there's a lot of what, what awful wrestling proved is that there's a lot of stand-ups that just secretly want to be wrestlers. Yeah. Oh, you know? I forgot yeah, about it. It's awful. a lot of people coming up through the uh, attitude era when it's all these big personalities and they're like, I want to do that, yeah. but they don't mm-hmm. want to do the getting in shape and moving their bodies part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to do a push up. Yeah. I, just I wanna... mean, what I've <laughs> said and found out like the last few podcasts that I've had to explain this uh, is that like the main difference between stand up and wrestling is that stand ups are like wrestlers, even if they don't like themselves, they pretend to like themselves. There's yeah. much more ego in Brett. Like stand ups are going up and fucking hanging themselves unless you're somebody like Chanel Ali and you don't give a shit and you just talk about how awesome you are and it's hilarious. That's great. <laughs> um, but like most of the time 
there's just so much more ego in wrestling, even if they go home and they're like, like a nerd with depression, which is that a lot of wrestlers are, that's the other thing is that wrestlers are frequently anime nerds. Mm. Um, at least this generation are. Hmm. Like I know multiple people that have a Naruto gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> but they at least you know they get in shape they have to present some kind of image of just like i'm the best guy and i deserve this title or whatever and that does kind of leak into your psyche a little bit whereas stand-up we're all just cold and alone are there (laughs) are there any wrestlers that are just like aloof about the whole thing but they're very very good i feel like well that might be a boring gimmick i feel like that's um well i would say orange cassidy counts um orange cassidy's on AEW now and he has a significant amount of tv time and they've given him a big push which means that he has a lot of matches and everyone loves him his entire gimmick is that he just wrestles with his hands in his pockets most of the time and just gently steps out of the way or rolls out of the way and stuff but then he's also a very good wrestler so like he tries when he has to um and they were originally introducing and he just wears sunglasses the whole time um and like there's times where like they find like they found him like asleep under the ring um i can like there's a match against him in general like when he was still on the indies uh in particular and he came up through jakar he came up through um like Philly. okay cool and mm-hmm. When he was still on the indies, uh, there's a there's a match you should look up with him and a wrestler named Gentleman Jarvis, who's basically got like a, a steamboat Willie kind of gimmick, where he's like in a bowler <laughs> hat and a mask with like a 1940s cartoon face. God, but indie wrestling is the fell best. Fell asleep in the ring during that match. Like Gentleman Jarvis caught him in his arms and rocked him to sleep and put him down in the center of the ring and put down a took a pillow and a blanket from underneath <laughs> the ring. Um, and then like the only reason Gentleman Jarvis didn't. Get at the three count is because the ref sneezed and he woke up um and then <laughs> i think there was, a second three count. there was a second three count that he didn't get because he rolled over in his sleep and then the announcer's like oh he's a side sleeper <laughs> uh, that's so beautiful <laughs> jesus christ yeah and that's on tnt every wednesday now like most of the time you'll get an or like an orange cassidy thing um he also usually doesn't talk or he just like says like one word he's just his whole gimmick is that he's like phoning it i love that i think that's what was like giving aew its boost is that they are leaning into character like they're leaning into character and they're being not serious and they're admitting during the show that wrestling isn't real. That, that I think the main difference between a, it, there, there's a lot of differences between AEW and WWE, but I think the main one is that they make no attempt to pretend that wrestling is real and WWE still keeps trying mm. to do that, which they have their merits. I like watching NXT and getting lost in it and thinking that everything is real. Um, and then I also like that AEW is kind of a shit show and they can't keep their shit together. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah. another good microcosm and mania, they had, uh, Omas debut and they just, and he's just a super tall dude, like a big, strong, scary guy. They had him a debut and they just made him look good and it was cool. And then they had Shaq earlier de- debut on AEW and they threw him through a table. Like, <laughs> yeah, the Shaq clip is awesome. It is awesome, you know, but that's another difference is that, that, you know, you have a big guy you're entering to make look tough that is famous from something else. And they handle those situations completely differently. Mm. Yeah, like I, I, there's there's something so much more exciting about AEW to me. And I think it's like growing up watching wrestling and being like all into the wrestling blogs and like the spoiler blogs and all, reading all that stuff and all the behind Your the cheese. scenes stuff. Yeah. They're like seeing 
a whole corporation basically just like pandered to me of like <laughs> someone who knows too much to yeah. like really like get into it terms they say mark and like gimmick yeah. and all that shit and you know like but simultaneously like they don't attempt to market well to people outside of wrestling but they're very easy to market to people i get non-wrestling fans to watch AEW all the time like i explain orange cassie and then there you go. Um, there I explained Chris Statlander, and I'm like, there's a girl that just really doubles down on I'm an alien and communicates with nose boobs. Like, <laughs> like the the pre uh, Matt Hardy return to WWE, like you have all of these crazy characters that you can just build up and like mm -hmm. actually lean into the character of them, but still acknowledge that it's like goofy and fun and. Like, none of this stuff is real, but we can have fun. Yeah, when he came back to AEW, he was teleporting. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say that, like, I watched, it was on because uh, Casey's dad is a big hockey guy. And every once in a while, he'll just flip between whatever sports channels are on. And one of them was WWE. And, like, what you're describing, Hannah, seems a lot more entertaining and fun than what I saw where it was, I don't know their names. I know Roman Reigns because it was explained to me that they tried to make him the rock and no one likes him. <laughs> He's doing better as a heel now. Um, they, he, as a face, he was getting kind of boring. A lot of people don't like him, but he seems to be doing well as a okay. heel. Like, I, yeah, I like when they, they tried to put him over in Philly at Royal Rumble and the rock comes running out and never in my life have I been disappointed to see the rock except for that night. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there, my, my friends and I got a box. We're just really enjoying the night. And then all of a sudden the rock comes out and it's so transparent that they're just trying to put Roman Reigns over. And you're like, oh, yeah, fuck you guys. But <laughs> like the, the, the match that I saw, uh, it was so it was Roman Reigns. It was he was just spectating. He was like sitting at the entrance in a lawn chair the entire time with his with his dude behind him. Um, and the guy that was wrestling that won the match initially uh, I don't know his name. He's got like a normal name, but he the the Islanders stole his chant where he just goes yes, yes. Oh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, he, I guess he had sort of like a heel turn thing where he just kicked the guy's ass. He was an environmentalist. Yeah, they, yeah. they just made him an annoying <laughs> environmentalist, and he had a he made his title out of pre recycled materials. It was a very Vince decision gotcha. that he just made that a heel gimmick. But I don't for sure. <laughs> It's it's what it got. It was so ridiculous when he just like pulled the title out, and it's like 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 station wagon paneling wood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like that's awesome. Yeah, so like I don't. I this mean, guy, no one Vince is trying to do. <laughs> this guy stands up. He's like he won the thing, and then he attacks one of the announcers. And then he runs over and attacks Roman Reigns. And then he just stares blankly at all these TV screens that are people watching at home. And he starts chanting, but it's. I, most of the match was just intense staring. <laughs> I loved the, the beginning pandemic, like the first couple of wrestling shows of the pandemic where there was no, they didn't have that Thunderdome thing set up yet and there was no audience. I was seeing some reviews from people like, WWE with no audience is just intense Brechtian theater. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Especially because Raw and SmackDown and a smattering of the pay-per-views are usually pre are, are pretty bad. NXT is always good. Like I've never watched NXT and been upset that I watch NXT. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, why did I just watch Raw? Mm. That was a waste of however many hours of my life yeah. that was. 
Yeah, um, I, I basically stopped watching the weekly shows. Like I, I'll tune into a pay per view every now and then, but like the weekly stuff, I'm just out. Yeah, I'll I'll catch a match or to like if I hear a match was good or if I hear that something is happening that I want to see, I'll go watch that. Um, but I only watch like NXT and then for a weird clip, I was managing to follow NXT UK, which is like a side quest practically <laughs> for them. But. <laughs> I imagine there's a lot more bowler hats. I feel like if you send wrestling, American wrestling to England, it's just going to be a lot of fisticuffs. Like I just want it to be black and white and grainy film. <laughs> oh man, No, here's the deal. NXT UK has a lot of merits. Um, the women's division first off is insanely good. Uh, the other thing is that like during normal times, uh, most NXT UK shows take place in like rural England, Scotland or somewhere in Wales. And it's like in a field somewhere. Cool. And there's like they're cutting promos in like mud and fog. Um, <laughs> and most of the roster looks like they didn't get jacked on per like they were at a bar somewhere and they just like robbed a house and someone's like yo do you want to wrestle me that's <laughs> <laughs> just like that's what they look i mean they're training there's a there's a uk performance center and shit but it like that's yeah. it, these guys look like just bar brawlers and then they're just running out cutting promos in practically incomprehensible scottish <laughs> and then like a lot of like and then a lot of them also have like british style gimmicks there's a guy who's a, there's a mod wrestler um that, oh, that's awesome yeah no he's he's totally cool um there's like a mod wrestler there's a yeah and then there are people like bowler hat types yeah. too that's what i want i want stereotypical british wrestlers to be like all right mm -hmm. then i believe you've dishonored me and my family <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the uh uma thurman avengers yes, this wrestling that's what i want yeah mustache mountain while they are not i don't think tyler I, i'd have to look because I, I think yeah tyler bait and uh oh my god how am i too tired to remember tyler bait's tag partner it doesn't matter mustache mountain's very much like that they definitely have like fisticuffs energy and they both have the mustaches and like the <laughs> man it's my oh, with Lash i thing. love that that's awesome so much Let me ask you guys something. Whatever happened to predictability? There must be some magic clues inside these gentle walls. Sometimes you get a feeling like you need some kind of change. I don't get any of those references. But each week on Talking Sit, Silas P and a guest do a deep dive and raise up the sitcoms that raised us. Did Mr. Belvedere really sit on his balls? Why do people call him Uncle Joey when he wasn't related to the Tanners? And does anyone else remember Head of the Class? Find out each week on Talking Sit with Silas P. Comedy is Liberty, uh, such a weird thing to exist for eight years but like at some point somebody's always been through there. it was one of my favorites just because like the, mm -hmm. the the vibe of the place is cool it feels like it felt like we weren't supposed to be there so like it was a fun <laughs> we really, by all accounts it was because the guy that books that room was a fan of it before it was there it was at bourbon and branch and then it was at the original in the much like when communist liberty started it was at the shady business that was previously in the building of bourbon branches mm. in before they made it they gentrified it liberties was 
not it was a shady bar (laughs) (laughs) like it was poorly run the kitchen was poorly run um we were standing on like before bourbon and branch with the stage and they had like a like a wooden box and clip lights that we were standing (laughs) on and then the first couple of shows for like almost no apparent reason new jack was hanging out um (laughs) and he was doing stand-up it was because like him and mike were doing sketch shit together like a million years ago but like it's (laughs) it's gone through so many strange like it sort of built up around us where we got a better venue and then the better venue like because they just bourbon and branch overhauled the bar and then they were like uh you guys don't have a cover chart and i know like we've just been letting you do this here to be nice because you were already doing this here and then one of our audience members lauren was like hey do you guys want to do trot balcony instead and we're like um sure <laughs> that's available like, on of, a regular basis of course how loud is that free and then they're like <laughs> totally cool with it uh, and i was awesome. like all right well so then we just wrote it down yeah i mean everything there's no cover like it is a it is no. a space that is conducive to going and getting alcohol you know so it's like they are making at least a little bit of money like comics they're making a little yeah, bit of comics money are but broke, I don't know how, so well i don't know what the utilities are like on the trocadero that they just turn it on on a wednesday for us yeah like, that is true i forgot about yeah. that Cause that's the thing too. It's like, I always felt bad going into like Fergie's or something where it's, it's a bar. We're upsetting. Or like if we do nacho Mike, where it's like, this Mm -hmm. is the people did not know this was happening. We are forcing people out of this establishment. Comedy is something for someone that's uninitiated to be like, I'm on board. Let's do, let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You couldn't even do comedy as Liberty. If you couldn't get up that staircase, that, that was one of the only things that bothered me about that venue is that I'm like, son of a bitch. Shannon DeVito can't work. Like that's, yeah. You know, there was a couple of things that were like accessibility, but other than that, it was great. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I told you that story with Troc where I went, uh, I went to go see my friends play the upstairs before I was doing comedy. That was just like a punk mm-hmm. kid and my friend's band was playing and uh, they wouldn't let me in because I was 20. And the guy, the bouncer would not let me up. Oh yeah, they're real strict. They're very strict about that. So I was like, I, they won't let me up. So I just sat underneath that like tiny, tiny awning for two hours until my friends were done playing. And a comedy show on the first floor w- came out and I didn't know who was performing. And then as everyone cleared out, I'm still sitting there and a guy is like kind of moving back and forth by the entrance. And he jumped over to get into a cab and tripped on my foot. And he turned around. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. And then he got into his cab. And that was Anthony Jeselnik. He was headlining that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I would like to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. We're always like this. <laughs> uh, we're back, right, Dan? We can keep some of that story. <laughs> I'm tempted to cut that just right when you go, and that was Anthony Jeselnik, and keep out the rest yeah. of it. And that was Anthony Jeselnik. <laughs> wow. The rest of the story will not be there. <laughs> That there's a line in Bojack Horseman where they like ask Daniel Radcliffe a question like uh, like what color does blue and yellow make? Uh, and it was like on a quiz show. And Daniel Radcliffe went on this whole thing. He's just like, and the man told me to mix blue and yellow to make green, and that man was Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it's such a good. That's funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh, 
Yeah, um, I, I was tempted to tell a story, the story of me jumping over a fence and ripping my pants that I've told on here before. Yeah. It's a good so, story, though. Yeah, I, I jumped over a fence and I ripped my pants. And instead of doing anything about it, I just sat at the bottom of the fence until it was time to go home. <laughs> so, so nobody knew what happened, but it was my own personal chagrin. <laughs> That's fair. But um, it's, instead of telling, that was the quick version, and I'm just going to keep it quick. I'm I'm going to talk about the the piece of pop culture media that I've identified with maybe the most in my entire life, but Peanuts and Charlie Brown, and Charlie Brown is the absolute embodiment of chagrin. Literally everything that dude does is oh. experiencing his own embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, good grief, even yeah. That's what it was. I kept on thinking, oh bother, but I was like, no, it's Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's good grief. Good grief. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am such a massive fan of, like, I, I feel like I've lived out my own embarrassment by reading Peanuts, that I'm just Have like... Have you read Weapon Brown? No. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, this is a deep cut, like, obscure comic book, but there is, in fact, a post-apocalyptic Charlie Brown comic book called Weapon Brown. No um, I All think right. part of... Uh, Searching Something that immediately. Like <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I, I'm digging real far back because I knew this was, this is an old comic when I was in the comic book industry, which would have been like 2007. So I think it was like nineties, but look it up. It's post-apocalyptic Charlie Brown, like Snoopy's like a pit bull. Um, Peppermint Patty and Lucy are like adults and lesbians. Uh, and like uh, fucking Charlie Brown looks a like Jason Statham, basically is jacked. Um, <laughs> fucking dope. All right. So, Weapon Brown is a 2002 comic book published by Death Ray Graphics. That sounds amazing. Sounds absolutely amazing. I thought it was cool. It's really good. I I gave money to Jack Fitzsimmons's uh, uh, Indiegogo thing, and I get to be in the next comic book that he makes. But this is way oh, better. Sick. <laughs> yeah it it was apparently the the character was first introduced in a series called. A peanut scorned. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. That makes me so, so happy. I still have, I, I know I still have single issues somewhere. Um, yeah, that's but, awesome. Yeah. Next time I go down, Dan, to uh, Casey's parents, because they live just outside of Asbury, I'll go into Secret Stash and see if it's around there at all. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. going to start looking That's the only that. place like, I know that would like maybe almost definitely have something like that cataloged that way. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, because I don't think like the kind of thing where they're worth a lot of money but they're definitely slightly more difficult to oh, find yeah. like yeah. oh i bet yeah can you were saying yeah like that, that's been one of my weird quarantine things is like getting back into like newspaper comics and mm -hmm. like just having something to read every day that's like kind of a quick passive thing but like, Steve Miller Miller told me that Dilbert fans are a, an impossible group to deal with. Like he actually got oh my God. by Dilbert Twitter once. <laughs> they are insane. Like Scott Adams you know is. This too? Oh my Scott God. Scott Adams is an insane person <laughs> and he invites insanity. <laughs> like Scott Scott Adams was a, a pro Trump guy before Trump was even president. <laughs> oh God, like he, I love it. He, he was pro-Trump from, like, the birther movement. Jesus. <laughs> I just don't understand how no one could hear someone be like, he probably wasn't even born here, and be like, you know, this guy's got a point. <laughs> like, are you crazy? Yeah. And meanwhile... Yeah, for, for that to be the thing that you back so hard, it's like, yes, I yeah, am. And meanwhile, Ted Cruz was born in Canada, so why are we not making the same argument? <laughs> like, you know why? Because it's a fucked up argument. <laughs> Ugh, I hate it. 
Um, but uh, the I just got a targeted ad, Dan. Um, and it was something that I sent to my old roommate because he's a big peanuts guy. He's got uh, a tattoo of Joe Cool doing a kickflip on the back of his leg. It's a very oh, fun. That's tattoo. So awesome. Uh, but Element Skateboards, like the same brand that like Bam rode for back in the early 2000s and mid 2000s, they did a whole peanuts line with their head roster. And it's all. I had a little Element fingerboard. Right. Cool. Nice. Yeah, my my brother was a skater in like Jackass era Philadelphia. Mm. Like he was like fourteen, right around that time, and doing all the shopping cart stuff. And then just one of them managed to get famous for the shopping cart stuff somehow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were all doing it when that came about. Like it was an organic ev- evolution. I mean, I'm probably like uh, skateboard explaining right now. You know all this. Um, <laughs> it was it was part of a of a young boy, teenager boy's youth to fuck around in a parking lot at some point. It's just yeah, yeah. with skateboards specifically, but within that it, like that music culture yeah. and all that shit, Philly, like an FDR park and everything. That's why this Tony Hawk Pro Skater has so many Philly things yeah. in it. Actually, I, I bought yeah. the remaster and it is fun to play in Philly because it's like the closest I get to be going home, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I wonder if that is under the, like, honestly, I didn't realize where FDR mm-hmm. was until I was driving to my aunt's place out in Downingtown every mm-hmm. couple days. Uh, Cause I was, I didn't have an apartment in Philly yet. So I would work at Ikea and then either stay at a friend's house or drive back to Downingtown mm-hmm. every night. Um, and I didn't realize when you get on 95, I looked down one day cause we were in traffic. I was like, Oh wait, Tony Hawk, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah it's, it's famous. It's a famous skate park, um, and I knew what all the skate parks were when I was a kid because it was like a, you have to take your little sister with you. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually used to warn uh, my brother that the cops were coming in Love Park because I like they didn't they wouldn't have put that on me. Like they gave me, I remember it was Airheads. They would give me like ten Airheads. And I'd sit on the bench and they're like, okay, when the cops are coming, you have to yell 5-0. And, <laughs> and, like, they went, and they kept scattering and cops would show up. Like, how do they keep knowing to do that before we get over? There's a little girl on a bench eating candy. I'm like, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> it wasn't me. I wouldn't do and, that to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I mean, skateboarding yeah. is such like a huge chunk of Philly. It's, it's, an insane culture that it like is. every time I've seen skaters around, they always got cameras with them. And then I find out later, like they're on like professional teams doing skate videos. They were just filming in somewhere and like yeah. outside some bodega <laughs> in South Philly. Cause like, that's the new hip skate spot. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like a fate, like within that subculture, there's so many places to skate in Philly or, or like famous because now it was a couple decades ago. So people were like, Oh, this guy skated here, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Love Park too, wasn't it? The story with yeah, no, Love Park is iconic yeah. for that. Like the you know, and then it pops up in punk songs, like skate punk songs. They will t- talk about FDR, Love yeah. Park, and shit. Like, um, I think Love Park. They wanted to. I mean, I think they got away with it, where they're like skateboarders can't skate at Love Park anymore. But uh, Kevin can't Bacon, skate, yeah, unless there's a tiny child warning that the cops <laughs> like. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, no, I think Kevin Bacon's dad. There's a story where like Kevin Bacon's dad who's 90 years old was trying to support them skating at love park. So they got him on a skateboard and they're like pushing this 90 year old man around on love park as like a, you can't do this to me. I'm Kevin Bacon's dad. (laughs) Local. One degree of Kevin Bacon. You have to let us skate. Yeah. (laughs) We know his dad. We're skating. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, it's like the peanuts thing, especially like back to the peanuts thing is like, it's something that I got like the 
the holiday specials. And I feel like I missed a cultural landmark where it was like, that's all I got was like the holiday specials. I never got the newspaper cartoons. Like my parents were never or the holiday. Oh, no, sorry. You said holiday, not just Christmas. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. You know, and then there's, yeah. oh, there's, there's one for every holiday. Yeah. Like there's an, yeah. an excessive number. Now, which one, <laughs> which one is specials. Fergie? Cause I know that's a thing. That's the newest movie. I believe. No, I thought it was earlier. I thought like, as she was a kid, she was the voice of one of them. She was the voice of Sally, but I, I thought that was one of the newer ones. But yeah, totally possible. She's had an insanely weird career. Yeah, Fergie. Too bad she can't sing the I, national anthem. I always love hearing about people who have careers that sound like really weird, but fun, because that's essentially um, what I'm aspiring mm. to. And honestly, I'm on the brink of like being a lot more like that with these two projects I have dropping in June. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping that I could just have weird nerd fans forever and I don't ever have to be like real famous because I've heard... Um, one of them is delightful and one is unbelievably fucking stressful. Like, <laughs> I will say that one time someone sat me down uh, right when that song, You're Beautiful, came out by James Blunt um, and sat me down and was like, listen, you don't need to like this music. This man, this man's life is crazy. And explained that like, oh, he's yeah. like an army ranger, professional gold medal skier, paratrooper, and then was like, I'll do music on the side. Why not? Yeah, let me write this you quick stalker read, song. Uh, how much do you know about Nancy Cartwright, the woman who played Lisa Simpson? I know that she played Lisa Simpson. Yeah, exactly. Everything else is fucking crazy. Like, de definitely pull <laughs> up her Wikipedia because she is a she is like a true. I, I heard like I found out about her on Harmontown. Uh, Dan Harmon mm. had her on, and she just has this insane backstory and like so much other stuff other than playing this one cartoon character for most of her life and now now i think she has like a true crime podcast uh but it's like a dan Harmon, yeah dan Harmon called it like a gourmet true crime podcast it sounds like a lot more of an npr thing than like a shock thing but yeah it's a uh, small town dicks and it's her is yearly smith not nancy carrot but oh, um, sorry. Yearly Smith. Whoops. Yeah, it's uh, it's her and two small town private eyes, and one of them is going to be her husband soon. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah she started this like just whatever. I, mean, I get along with these people that can help me do like the investigative side of this podcast, mm -hmm. and now she's marrying one of them. Oh, Nancy Cartwright's Bart, isn't she? Yeah. Yes. Oh no. At least I was already yeah. already so interesting. Uh, the first thing that it says like with her interesting facts just made me go, oh, uh. Martha Maria Yeardley Smith, July 3rd, 1964, born in Paris, France. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She moved to New York City. I, I looked her up recently because I, I think, and I, I think I have it right. She's the only Simpsons actor to appear on The Simpsons as herself. Oh, really? Oh, that's wow. great. Uh, I re I have not watched it yet, but I really want to watch this last episode that came out last week that fucks with Morrissey, and Morrissey is so upset about it. Ooh. Yeah, Lisa <laughs> yeah. gets really yeah, into constantly Morrissey. Forget Simpsons is still on, like because people are now the it's always Sunny is now the longest running sitcom, but they don't count that animation in. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, this this episode of The Simpsons is uh, Lisa goes through like her Smiths phase, but it's not the Smiths, uh, and the guy that's the Morrissey character is uh uh like she falls in love with the 80s version of morrissey which i feel like is a lot of what we do i love the smiths i'm yeah. big fan of smiths fuck yeah. morrissey he's the fucking monster but we love the smiths 
Uh, and then she goes to see them live and he walks out and he's severely overweight, starts shooting sausages into the crowd because he's like, I'm not vegan anymore. <laughs> and then says something racist and walks off stage. <laughs> Genius! Oh my and god! Morrissey wrote back. It was right. like the the uh, Simpsons think they're quite funny for you know lowering their ratings so much. Like it was just such a Trumpian fucking like rebuttal to the episode that I was like, it makes me hate you more, Morrissey. You're the fucking. <laughs> Oh my God, bless them. They still get to do whatever they want. Every time the Simpsons name check Rupert Murdoch, <laughs> I laugh so hard because yeah. that's like the most ultimate like, fire me, bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. What you, what you can't because <laughs> network TV is going under and like, we're one of the only successful properties you have and your network's name has become synonymous with white supremacy. So shitloads of people are going to watch it. Like it, this is the ultimate deadlocking in your job because your boss can't fire you and doing whatever the fuck you want. Like, I love it's that shit why it's so been much. on for 30 like, plus years. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite ones was it's when Homer is playing the stock market and he's like calling into the phone service and he's like, what is this crap? And then it's like Fox broadcasting down eight points. <laughs> Man. Yeah. They just don't care. Like, and they had, they have like multiple, like I forget which episode it was where like Burns looked directly into the camera and went, yes, Rupert Murdoch's a great man. <laughs> 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 oh my god so good um well for my chagrin i was just going to tell a story that we have told on this show i'll tell a brief version of it in case you missed that episode uh for anyone listening uh when i was in fourth grade i got cast in an alice in wonderland play that they just kind of cast everyone they had like i felt bad because they had different versions of alice for like big alice and small alice and normal alice and no one wanted to be big alice because it was just like the fifth grader that hit puberty too quick so she was like yeah you don't live down big yeah, alice. No, five eight you know big alice that's upsetting um but i forgot one of my lines on stage and they were trying to feed me lines um off to the side and uh they kept on going um uh, it's natural. It's natural. And I thought they were making fun of me. I was like, who's natural? Meanwhile, I'm in fourth grade. I'm like getting attitude to this woman. And then she reads me <laughs> the rest of the line and go, Oh, it's, it's natural. I can't help you there. And then I walk off stage. Cause that was like my exit line or whatever. Meanwhile, I'm mortified. Like to a point where I'm just like fear pissing down the side of my pants. I'm just like, so sad the entire time and i walk uh, i go around and then media mouse because it's big alice's turn to be on stage now uh media mouse comes around and she's crying laughing and she goes like <laughs> that was the funniest thing in the world how did you do that and i was like no i fucked up my line she was like i don't care it's the funniest thing in the world and the entire crowd <laughs> was laughing and it was really really the reason why i realized like oh i could probably be funny is if i just yeah that's how we end up with you yeah, here. This is, that, that's like my first <laughs> like oh i can be funny and make people laugh at me moment but it was still just like i pissed my pants and forgot a line on stage it's like everyone's worst nightmare when they get in the theater <laughs> Yeah, I just froze up and just started fear pissing. <laughs> yeah, the, the fear is based in truth. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> I actually just thought of a really good chagrin story ooh, on my tell. end. Go I, for it. Like, I don't know why that made me. I don't know why that made me think of this. This was a long time when I was working. Um, I, I was in a Rocky Horror Picture Show Shadowcast in Philly for like thirteen years. Fantastic. Um, and I was going to see them 
two years prior to that because you can't join the cast until you're 18. So I was uh, I was seeing them as a 16 year old. Um, so there was one Monster Mania Con in Cherry Hills. They've been performing right the entirety of that convention. Uh, there was one Monster Mania Con where we had Patricia Quinn with us, who is the woman who played the maid character Magenta in the original movie. Um, and she's shit faced. Uh, and we're waiting to get to the room. Um, into the panel room for that to get set up and everything but chris glover is in there and he's going over like a lot <laughs> and he has like a slideshow of like shit like oh, this is me on the set of willard like <laughs> shit like that and just like going like way too fucking long and i at that point um I had choreographed the pre-show for that performance because we were kind of like really trying to pull out all the sauce because Richard Quinn was there. Um, but I was like sick as shit that day. So I still had to do the pre-show because people were following me for dance cues, but I wasn't going to play another part. Um, so I'm sitting in the back. I'm in hell and Patricia Quinn is with us drunk as shit. And she's like, when are we going to go home stage? Uh, <laughs> uh, and she'd like been wearing clothes for like two days, which I've seen her do at multiple shows. Uh, she's, she's a hero. I love her. <laughs> um, but I was sitting off, like sitting in the backstage. I was just like kind of in hell and I have the sweats and I just like, went to my friend Nate I was like yo if Chris McGlover walks out here right now I am just gonna like tongue kiss him fall on the mouth and go taste my disease right as I scream taste my disease the door opens and Chris McGlover is in my face I screamed it into his face <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes now I can show and like pats me on the shoulder and walks out and then it just me and like I was embarrassed and shit but also like this is why this is a chagrin story because I wasn't crying I was yeah. laughing like yeah. me and my friend <laughs> me and anybody my friend deserves made, to have that yelled in their face I think Crispin Glover yeah, has no, more of a reason to be that yelled in his face <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no because he he was he, had, he was holding the room too long he probably heard everything I said before that too like I wasn't being <laughs> quiet and he Right on the end of the sentence. Uh. <laughs> Jesus, fucking Crispin Glover. I want to. I want to turn that into like just a mantra of something that I say regularly, like at the grocery store. Like you go to the grocery store and they're out of like the hot sauce I like. I'm just like fucking Crispin Glover. Just until like someone <laughs> caught catches on. Like, does he know him? <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird problem to yeah. have. But Crispin man, Glover. was that? Yeah, no, that was definitely like what I would tag as a moment because it wasn't garden variety embarrassment it was just weird like he got me like he <laughs> yeah. called my <laughs> like, oh my god that's great all right let's roll into some fan questions yeah let's see how they feel Great job. What a great job I did on that. It is. Um, so, Dan, why don't you do a couple? Because I have a couple on my end uh, through Instagram. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll start with one. Normally, we don't get a lot of duplicates, but with, with this one, got three different people telling me they felt chagrin when they had to look up what the word meant. Yeah, that's fair. And like, I, I get it. I, I can only use it in context. Like, I, I could kind of back it back end define it but i could not tell you what it meant before we had to look it up for this it's a good one i liked it yeah i i, I enjoy the emotion now like i i appreciate it for like having another word for the embarrassment i feel because i don't feel like 
regular embarrassment most of the time. I feel like the moments after embarrassment most of the time. Mm. Mm. All right. I think that's fair. What else you got, Dan? Cause I, uh, what, what, what did someone else say? What was like one of the best ones that you heard that you were like, Oh, I feel this. The, the one that I, that I felt the most was when they said, when I run out of Charmin. Yeah. I, I don't know that it needs to be brand specific, but yeah. For sure. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of soft TP. So Charmin is pretty good. Just saying. Well, when they sponsor us, I'll back you up on that. Sponsor us. <laughs> we'll say it. Does it bear shit in the words? No, but they use Charmin. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, where do they shit if not in the woods where there's Charmin is? <laughs> Dumpsters. Oh, okay. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. So I have one here. Um, Sometimes I don't bother taking the wrapper off a of starburst. I could I could see that as being sugar. I mean, it seems almost like a joke answer, but also like if you pop a starburst in your mouth just because you're going to town on them and you're just like, oh, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it's or you accidentally eat something with an eggshell. Exactly. It's just like absolutely sugar because it's not embarrassment. You're like, God damn it. God damn. You know, another thing that I just, I just remembered an Ann Soder joke where he was just like, like he was talking about catcalling and he's just like, I don't have enough cat, like confidence to catcall. Like when a woman that's attractive walks by me, I react like I'm like missing a bus. Like, oh, God damn. God. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's also yeah. strange. That's I will say, you know yeah. what made me think of it was the Kyle Kinane joke where, uh, where he bites his tongue and he's like, I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. It's like, come on. Yeah. You've been in there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. You know what it is. Right. <laughs> uh, Dan, what else you got? Someone said they frequently think people are waving at them, but they're actually waving at the person behind them. And they added, not everyone is so goddamn friendly. You don't like them. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I feel like that's a real universal one. Like everybody has that experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm honestly the one that comes to mind is that Ellen DeGeneres joke where it was like, "Hey, Stephen, Stephen, that's not Stephen, that's not Stephen." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I got one. So many jokes are born from embarrassment. So many. It's all we do. <laughs> yeah, this is what I was talking about. The difference between uh, fucking comedy and wrestling <laughs> is that, like. Wrestlers are doing everything in their power to avoid looking embarrassed, you know, and they'll like, even if they just lost a title, they'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I broke my ACL. Like, I, tr- I tore my ACL. I got thrown through 50 things in glass, but I'm a champion. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Like- <laughs> oh man. Fantastic. Um, Dan, we talked about this one, this next one, I think off air. Uh, briefly but we had some uh, you had you made some good points dan with this one um this one says when i eat shrimp and pray there is no poop yeah it's like a fortune cookie it is a little bit fortuney right yeah this this one hits me a little funny because the 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 timeline of it is blurry to me like is it you ate shrimp and you forgot to take out the vein so there's poop or is it like the fact that you're not even going through the trouble to check first? Yeah. I mean, both of these, they're they're done by the same person. So both of them are just like, I don't bother checking. I just eat it. <laughs> like that's like both is the starburst and the eating the shrimp with no poop. I think it's shit like that is why I didn't react to the vaccine. Um, 
It's literally what, like, everybody else I know that didn't react to the vaccine is similarly gross, and it's really funny. Like, I, <laughs> the first vaccine, I think I felt kind of shitty after the first vaccine, but I also got both of my vaccines 1 a.m. at City Field. The first time, it was the only appointment I could get. The second time, it was a bit, um, because they vaccinate because they vaccinate you in the bar in Met Stadium in McFadden's. Um, I was next awesome. to a fireball sign, and it was it was one a.m. on St. Patrick's Day when I got. It. <laughs> that's like, awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Oh. Yeah, and then like after I got the first one, when I realized what the setup was, they're like, "Does same time work for you?" I was like, "Absolutely." Yep. <laughs> We're doing one a.m. again. It's a weird vibe in here. I love it. Are you are you working? Because I want to come to you next. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're doing this again. They're, they're so fucking loopy over there. 1 a.m. is just everyone's like, God, why do we have a 24? I mean, they have to have a 24 hour site because it's New York. Mm -hmm. But And I got Mets themed vaccinations. If the, if my purse was in the same room as me, I would put stickers up. But I have Mets themed vaccination stickers that say, like, I got vaccinated at City Field. Let's go Mets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, I, I bought a Mr. Met in quarantine. So, you know, we all have weird things now. <laughs> I think I have an old Mr. Met box bobblehead somewhere in storage uh it's the go mats let's go mats uh dan why don't you <laughs> give us like mats. one or two more and then we'll get out of here all right i got i got one more that is i, I was kind of racking my brain trying to figure out what the joke answers would be for this one and uh com coming through with with maybe the best one we've had for any of these as far as joke answers go was a picture of share smiling share grin <laughs> who did that my uncle. Oh, your uncle's not allowed <laughs> oh, on the man. show. Yeah. <laughs> I was living with a pun comic for like two years in New York, and he's Brandon Ream. Um, his Twitter feed is like nothing but that. Uh, That's beautiful. <laughs> one of those people that takes it so far that it's funny again. Like <laughs> one time I was in the kitchen. One time I was in the kitchen at one a.m. and I was chopping baby carrots, and he wanders through like in boxers, goes baby carrots. What do they use to make those? Vegetable shortening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate this man. So I know, I. right? Uh, I lived with him for I'm brain damaged, so every single thing made me laugh. <laughs> Beyonce now looks like you, she wants to kill him half the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's a good, all right. Good mm -hmm. job, Uncle Getz. Um, all right. Well, that was what you guys said. And uh, Hannah, thank you so much for doing the show. This was thank you amazing uh and it's also just great to see you because i haven't seen you yeah no it was lovely talking to you again. feel feelings is a wasted robot production editing done by dan getz music by george bruderman you can follow us on instagram and twitter at feel feelings pod and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm backslash feel feelings if you're ever feeling any heavy emotions and feel like there's nowhere to turn to, please don't hesitate to reach out to us or to any of the resources in the show notes. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the Wasted Robot Network. For more information on this and other podcasts, visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Wasted Robot Records. We're such a professional show! <laughs>